Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights. This is a dueling questions with Jake Roy. Probably more emphasis on basketball than anything else, but we share a love for uh, some of the same cards. Had a good uh, back and forth as we do with dueling questions. I don't know what he's going to ask. He doesn't know what I'm going to ask, but we both had a good time. Thanks, sponsors. Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication, ComC.com, Burbank Sports Cards, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Heritage Auctions, Suckton Scott Auctions, and Panini, Upper Deck, and Tops. So here it is, dueling questions with Jake. And uh, Jake, thanks a lot. Jake Roy, welcome to the show. And hit me with a good question to start us off. All right. So going back to your days with putting your hat on of creating the Beckett Magazine, one of the things that I remember when I was collecting is it was really organized chronologically by year and then alphabetical by the set. And then in the later years, it switched to just being alphabetical by the set regardless of the year. So I would like to hear a little bit about why that changed. I've got some guesses and which one you prefer. Okay. So you said the magazine was by the year and then alphabetical by the set within the year. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. And the main thing you're talking about is is the books, the annual books were the other way. They were alphabetical by the issuer and then chronological within that. When I was in charge, that was the way it was in order to differentiate those products. The other differentiating factor was the fact that the magazines had a two-column, high-low kind of a price structure that nobody understood, (laughs) and they just used the right-hand side. And the books had a different uh, three and then two column format when I was in charge with, again, people ignored the column on the left and just went, uh, unless you were trying to buy. And and that was by condition. So it was an attempt to differentiate. I I wanted those things to be differentiated and distinguished. And it it made sense at the time because that was the flow of how people collected. They'd flip to the back and that'd be all the latest sets and stuff like that. So anything more specific about that, uh, Jake? My assumptions uh, were, were pretty true. I wanted to hear it from the horse's mouth, though. Okay. Uh, my question for you, is there a number below which, I don't know what your budget is for the hobby, but is there a, a budget number, and you've mentioned how awesome your wife is, is there a budget number if, for whatever reason, whatever considerations, your budget was shrunk, drastically shrunk, is there a number in mind, compared to what you're doing now, that would squeeze a lot of the enjoyment out for you? In other words, if you're spending $500 a month and all of a sudden you go to $50 a month, there are some people who would say, I just can't even function. And others would say, I'll just be resourceful. So is there a number below which you'd have trouble because you'd have to be passing on all these great things you'd like to have? Yeah. If we're thinking about it from a monthly standpoint, if I had to get below $100 a month, I think that'd be really difficult. Definitely getting very resourceful. And my card budget is primarily what I can be resourceful within moving cards in and out. So it doesn't impact what we're trying to do for fun things with our family. But yeah, if I had to get below $100 a month, I think that'd get very difficult. You know, even just thinking about trip to national, fitting that within my card budget at $100 a month would be very difficult. And you can't do layaway in a bull market. Right. You can't say, hey, right. I'll take this card, but I'm going to pay you 100 bucks a month for the next how many years? I don't know, for some of the great cards. So yeah, so you'd have to be resourceful. And I think not everybody faces that, but in a bull market, you keep thinking, I'll just buy stuff that's going up. But in a mixed market, which I think it always will be, no matter what anybody mm-hmm. says, there's always going to be stuff going up and stuff going down. And oh, you'd yeah. like to pick the stuff that goes up. But I don't require that people have a self-sustainable hobby, but it, it needs to make sense with your personal financial situation. Right. You're not borrowing a bunch of money, I think. Okay. All right. Uh, so think about BGS graded cards. At the beginning, the subgrades were on the back. 
And then in later years, it switched to having the subgrades on the front. Can you explain some of the reasoning why the switch and which one do you like aesthetically best? I don't think I was part of that decision, but I fully approve moving the, the subgrades are a marketing element. Besides being informative, if you go to a card show and you say, hey, you know, your cards aren't marked, what, what are the price of the cards? And, if it, and it's in his showcase and he says, no, they're all priced. There's priced on the back. <laughs> you go, come on, dude. I can't. I, can you open up your case and flip them all? That's so basically you want to front load the information that's going to help either sell the card for the dealer that has it or determine that you're not just picking with 9.5s, which is where subgrades are. They're important mm-hmm. pretty much, but certainly 9.5. The, 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 uh, the subgrade configuration, if you don't have that on the front, then you're begging for somebody to say, hey, let me to flip it over. And if it's really good subgrades for a 9.5 or really poor subgrades for a 9.5, it really makes a difference because it, it might be a 10 at PSA or it might be a nine and it's going to be priced accordingly. So yeah, it's front loading the information that's going to be helpful. That's why we did the color-coded labels mm-hmm. or the metallic color-coded kind of things. Because at a glance from a distance, you could see, hey, this is there's a gold label or a silver label or a dreaded bronze label, except if it's a great card. So yeah, I think I fully approved of moving it to the front. This not a hobby that does that great with deferred gratification. I want the card. I want to see it. I want to touch it. I want it now. And I yep. want to know about it. And if it's right there, it helps to facilitate trade, which was one of our company's mottos. We want to help facilitate the trade, make the pie bigger. And if you see it and you can see the subgrades, frankly, if it's a 9.5, you have to look at the subgrades mm-hmm. because 9.5s can have the biggest variation in what they would go for. If it's an eight, you can look at it from a distance, say it's an eight. Yeah, it's off-centered to the degree of seven or something. And so that pulled it down, even if everything else is, is really good. Okay, my turn for you. I'm not talking about Mount Rushmore. I'm talking about a, a private dinner party. Okay. And I'm going to ask the question a little different. I don't know if you're a numbers guy or not, but you're going to have a fantasy hobby dinner. And you can invite anybody you want to in the hobby. I'm not on the list, okay? I'm, I'm taking present company excluded. So you can have anybody you want there, but here's the point of the question is you can have as many as you want or as few as you, who do you want at your table? And my table, I could have one or I could have 19. That's a completely different experience. I've had 19 at my hobby content creator dinners and I've had a lot of one-on-ones too. So what's your ideal number? And then who are some of the people you'd want at your fantasy dinner of hobby, not necessarily content creators, but people, and they're going to be magically transported to the, your favorite <laughs> restaurant in your hometown. So how All many right. people do you want there for intimacy or more volume? And who are some of the people you'd want to have? Wow. Sitting on Santa's lap, the world's options. So for the number, I think that's pretty easy for me. By nature, I tend to be more of an introvert. So I, I go for a smaller number uh, and I have very big Thanksgivings and those get overwhelming. I would say probably five people in addition to myself, would be about the most. Uh, it's like you're in a situation. restaurant. If it's a table of eight, either the people are far apart. I want to have one conversation. So yeah, I, right. I, I, you, that resonates. Okay, so who are some yeah. of you would you would invite? And if some may be a stretch or some may be, oh, sure, Jake, count me in. I'll be there tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, like, and while I'm going through this list, I'm sure there's going to be people that I'm going to leave off and I'm going to be kicking myself years down the road. The first person that comes to mind that I want to have dinner with, and I'll give very brief little synopsis as to why. The first person that comes to mind is Nat Turner. 
I want us to bring some 90s cards and I want to talk about that stuff. But also, Nat's one of those guys that I've interacted with a little bit online. When we were at National, never met in person. And, and we never actually got to sit down and chat, even though we we're planning to. But he sought me out and said, hey, Jake, let's sit down and chat. And it, he did that three different times, which was very impressive for somebody as busy as him. Because who am I for somebody to seek out type of thing? He impressed me on a personal level, even though we didn't have much interaction. But also, I want to see some of those grails that he has. My buddy, who's been a lifelong friend, we've been collecting together, Joe, who I've had on my channel a couple of times. and went to national, he would have to be in that mix because I'd want to have some fun conversations. And Joe also knows how to get some rise out of me sometimes pushing my buttons and talking about certain players and stuff. They'll get under my skin. So that would be Chris and Christina. They're a package deal. Got to have both of them together. We are degenerate wax rippers with Christina and and, and Chris again, nineties Jordan stuff keeps that childhood rivalry of Jordan and Penny that my brother and I had. And the other person I always think of is Kyle from wax museum. We've had a good friendship dating back to creating content early in the game. Uh, but he also challenges me a lot of times in my perceptions of, of cards and the hobby. It's, I need that. I like that. He's a, he's a serious guy. For being a teacher, I wonder what kind of teacher he'd be with these kids. <laughs> I mean, Kyle's a teacher. is the way it's going to be. <laughs> yep. I can only imagine. My point of that, you and I and other people have the chance. This is my sports card insight. At the National, you have a chance to create something like that. Now, Nat Turner, I'm sure, has plenty of invitations, whether it's you or me or anybody else. But they have six guys around a table to talk about the hobby. That's a lot of fun. And if it's less, that's okay. And if it's more, that's okay, too. But the National is a great opportunity. And some of the card shows, too, where guys can get together. And gals. There's Christina in back and shield. Too bad, Josh. So Josh has to stay and hold down the fort for card ladder. Yeah, he's going to have to do all the work that night. But uh, yeah, Josh and I got to meet in that at National, which I thought was yeah. great. He's very different in person than he is when you see him on the stuff. I know that he's gotten some conversations on on blowout and stuff like that. I implore everybody, if you interact with people online, interact with them in person if you have a chance. Yeah. And it might be the same person. Sometimes it can change your thoughts. And that goes for a lot of different people in the hobby, myself included. I'm sure there's some people that don't like me. And maybe if you see me in person, it'll be different. I, I have people that don't like me that I've never met. I don't think they've ever listened to the podcast, but actually I don't think they dislike me, but they dislike something that my company did and not necessarily when I was there. <laughs> so, sure. so, but you can't please all the people all the time. Okay. Your turn. All right. So I understand that you are a big Pittsburgh pirate. And when I was first collecting, I enjoyed Pittsburgh pirates cards. Actually, one of the things I liked was older cards. I always found it interesting, different jerseys and hats the teams wore. So as a pirates fan, what is your favorite jersey and or hat the Pirates wore throughout their history? It's not the ones they wore in 70. They were the, whatever, the, the squared off caps. And it wasn't the double knits either. In fact, in my Topps fan favorite card that Topps mm -hmm. made of me was Clemente's uh, flannel. Yep. It's actually something I had. I don't have it anymore, but I had it for many years. So that's probably my favorite. I'm a little more nostalgic. I've got rid of most of my memorabilia. I'm, I'm really almost exclusively a card guy now. But the Pirates, the uniforms have been the least of their problems. It's not even their on-field performance in the sense that they just had a long dry spell of not really being able to compete based on the front office or the economics of the game. So I'm more of a sentimental Pirates fan now. But I can appreciate 1960, 1971, and 1979 and then since that time, they just can't get a run. They, they do pretty good for a while, and then they get cherry-picked of their players. So. Okay. Oh, that's true. Let's see. Okay, what if we have unrest in the world? And let's mm -hmm. say a hacker, just a quick answer. Does all hell break loose if hackers from a certain large country on the other side of the world, 
that is invading another country, if that country decided to do cyber warfare and they thought in order to really hurt America, they were going to take out eBay. And so eBay was cyber compromised and locked out. So no one could use eBay for some period of time. Would the hobby freak out or what would be some of the workarounds that people would do? I think the hobby would definitely freak out. I, I don't know the proportion, but Wharf uh, Trading Cards on Instagram recently just put out a thing that showed kind of the percentage of how much of the hobby sales go through eBay versus other platforms. So it's a lot to go through eBay. But I don't think we'd be dead in the water because I think we've got a lot of different avenues now, golden auctions, PWCC for the high stuff. But also I think we've got a lot more card shows and card shops than we had even two, three years ago. And there's a lot more people that are buying through those avenues. So I think in-person deals, but also social media plays a big yeah. role. In, well, uh, in you're talking, you're ta- well, I'm not just talking about the primary buying and selling on eBay. I'm talking about the comp aspect and the inability for people to decide what's a good deal. If they mm-hmm. didn't have the ability to go check that out, the card shows, it, it would really slow up some of the transactions. Absolutely. Yeah. The data is huge. We think about Card Ladder and there's some other competitors in the space that aggregate sales to give us that data now, but it's not everybody's on there, whereas everybody is on eBay. Yeah. I didn't think about it from that standpoint. I did think about it just from transacting, but creating comps. Yeah. I mean, the hobby would freak out. Even, even so the, the, the Facebook marketplace or Instagram, any of these other places, they're still looking at eBay and they're looking at Card Ladder or market movers. They're looking at eBay. Their transactions are the majority our eBay. When I was doing the price guides on our magazine, same thing. Toward the end, in my regime, more and more of the uh, transactions were coming from eBay and not as much from card shops or card shows. So that was... Yeah, that data is critical. And and you're right. Because yeah, it definitely put a lot more emphasis on... But even 130 point, all that is off of eBay data. Or I think Card I don't use that, but I've heard people use that. I think that's all eBay data. So yeah. The data aspect would be monumentally impacted. Yet, before 1995, that was the world. The man 